0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Begging Boardcast episode number 302. I'm Chris.
1: I'm John.
0: And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in
1: three ways. The first being The Weekend Geek, bringing the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to
2: coming out June 1st, 2016.
0: And then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week it's going to be the second part of our top favorite Marvel stories of all time. So this is going to be numbers 5 through 1. If you're interested in what... 10 through 6, or hey, just go back and listen
1: to so episode number 301. We talk about them there. We do yeah. not talk about them here. A spoiler, spoiler alert. One. For my list, it's all Fantastic Four storylines. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's where Paul got vetoed the most. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but that'll be fun, you know, but uh, it's early. So instead of drinking our normal beer, we're drinking coffee beers here over at uh, Bags and Board Studios North. Hey, I like that. North. Yeah. Uh, And John and I, we're starting with uh, the Flying Bison, which is a local Buffalo brewery. Private Stash Spot Coffee Stout. Big beer born in Buffalo. Uh, This was their late winter kind
2: of release. Yeah. So we're drinking a little past, uh, I think, maybe pretty
1: well past its prime. It's been in the... I actually had this in my basement fridge, though, and then I took it out recently. No, that I'm was like, the super, super stout you oh. had in your fridge. Okay. I'm confused. I'm sorry. Uh, it's got a really great nose to it, mm-hmm. but then um, an unpleasant bitter on the tongue. The aftertaste is a little like that sour kind of coffee, like if you left coffee out in your cup. No. like all day and then you're like oh, uh it's I could a... rinse this out or I could just drink this. It's got yeah, a good
0: I I'm that person that just drinks it.
1: Yep, me too. So you know exactly the flavor I'm talking about. Yeah. Um but this is something they did with a
2: local uh coffee chain spot coffee. Um so they worked together with them. It's not bad but it's not overly
1: pleasant. And that might just because we I kept it for too long. Yeah. Because Sometimes I, you know, make a six-pack six, six pack variety pack, and I'm like, oh, I should try this. You know, it's new, it's different. I'm sure I'll try it one of these days. And it's like the fifth or sixth beer that I picked, because I picked four ones that I really like. And I'll drink those four, and by the time I get to that fifth or sixth one, I'm like... Eh, not today.
2: Or, like, almost uh, every week that we show up not. to do this show, we bring beer, and there's always something better, and yeah. it just keeps getting pushed up back. to the back. Mm-hmm. I never knew you had this. It's bottom of the <laughs> stack, man. We go. you ever even mentioned having this. We, every every episode, we go into the basement, oh, yeah. and we look at beer, <laughs> and I didn't even know you, you had it. You know
1: why? This. Because I kept on pushing it to the back. I'm like, ah.
2: Look. So, I don't think it's totally the beer's fault on this part, more of our our own. Uh, But Chris, what are you drinking?
0: Uh, I have the Grapefruit Sculpin from Ballast Point Brewing Company. Mm. This is something that I wasn't able to find in Michigan. Um, Ballast Point really didn't make its way over there for some reason. Uh, But I found it here, and I picked up a bunch of the different flavored Sculpins just to try those, because I've really been wanting to have them since you guys started kind of talking them up a little bit more.
1: Yeah, we've talked about them. We haven't had them on the show. So I just went ahead this past uh, couple days ago and had that Pineapple Sculpin.
0: Ooh, that's probably going to be the next one I have.
1: It's really nice. I liked I it with, quite a bit.
0: I went with the grapefruit first because mm-hmm. I mean, grapefruit IPAs are something that is pretty readily available, even if it's just grapefruit beers in general with like the Schoffer Hopper, which I can find everywhere down here now. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy this. It's a good, solid IPA front, and then you get a little bit of that grapefruit rind citrus on the back end. It's not overpowering at all. It's a nice complement to it, uh, which is something that I really like. I was kind of thinking they were going to go a little bit bigger on the grapefruit flavor, just like mm-hmm. have it throughout, but I like the fact that it's a little bit more subtle, and kind of chases that uh, IPA hop at the beginning.
1: I'm very okay. excited for you to try that pineapple, because I want to know what you think about it, and we can I talk. Love pineapple, too. Uh, because you and I are on opposite sides of the table. Yeah, yeah. John says he don't need to add anything to the Sculpin. Uh, well, no, not only... I mean, al- the Sculpin's great on its own, but I don't I'm know, just a little bit something extra. I
0: mean, it's starting to get hot here again. It's been getting up into the 90s since, like, last month. Mm. So I actually picked these up because I thought they'd be something great just for a, like, hot, sunny day. But here I am, like, 10 (laughs) a.m.
1: in the AC. Oh, man. How are you going to start training for that half marathon?
2: You
0: know, it's, uh, it's going to be something I'd probably do at night.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Just wear reflective gear. Yeah. Uh, But, hey
0: talking about reflective gear. Why don't we reflect on some of the news
1: that happened oh. over the past week? Uh, that great segue. Just <laughs> just really nice. Nicely done. There's not much to the the news last week. Uh, no. Just a big big haha. Because, man, Marvel's able to do that, man. They're able to turn the media's head on its ear just by uh, doing something crazy with Captain America. Remember uh, when during the Civil War, the first Civil War, they killed him? And everybody was upset
2: yeah it was i we were in um i think we were in philadelphia at a comic book convention and we turned on the news and it was like national news mm-hmm. captain america is dead and we're like
1: yeah so it happened i'm sorry chris you were going to say something
0: yeah um no you guys pretty much summed it up i found out about this through the news
1: mm-hmm.
0: and not reading the actual comic book because this was my pick for last week's list um Captain America number 1, written by Nick Spencer, art by Jesus Saiz. It was something I wanted to check out. You know, Captain America, it's his 75th anniversary. They just came off a very successful Captain America Civil War movie. Um, I'm really enjoying Nick Spencer on Astonishing Ant-Man. So, hey, why not pick him up over on Cap for a look back? And it was something I was looking forward to reading. And as soon as I woke up in the morning and I just did my normal, like, web browsing stuff, it was everywhere, like the Captain America spoilers, and it kind of bothered me. The spoilers, or the, the fact spoilers thing. more than like what happened. Oh, okay. I still haven't read the issue yet because <laughs> it it kind of took the wind out of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I remember watching Star Wars: The Force Awakens when that come out, had come out, and not seeing spoilers for that for months. So it kind of just rubbed me the wrong way that like people think of conflicts as a lesser medium almost where it doesn't get that same kind of like spoiler like buffer zone like oh. like shows like game of thrones and the walking dead get like after those there like you don't see everything laid out in article titles but with, know, it's like those listicle things where it's like you won't believe what they did on walking dead
2: and the other thing was they were out before you even had a chance to buy your comic book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really what is most annoying, because they did the same thing with, like, DC Rebirth. Before before I was even able to buy that at 9 o'clock when it goes on sale on uh, Comicsology. I had already found out a big, you know, the big thing about Wally West in the book. And I was
1: like, oh, well, I kind of want to read it more now, but spoilers are part of the marketing for comic books i honestly I believe know. it because one was the one was there lines out the door for comic books the death of superman <laughs> like and the news covered it and when the death of a captain america came out i remember going to our local comic book store and people would walk in on that th- we're walking in on that day and he was like as soon as he recognized or didn't recognize the person walking in he just told him we're all sold out of that captain america were all sold out of that Captain America. People were coming in the door just to get that book because they wanted to be... wanted to read it, wanted to be part of the story. Which is crazy, because that book was so deep in its own, you know... Yeah, you had to have been... You need to know who Sharon Carter is. You needed to know, like... Crossbones. Crossbones. Like, that book would... Baron Zemo and the brainwashing and... Like, you needed to know a lot going into that book. It wasn't just like, oh, you pick it up and... It wasn't that the was Superman, which is oh, this bony, crazy-looking alien monster, kills Superman. Like you get you get your head around a monster real quick. You don't get a wait. They're dating and she shoots him in the gut. Like why does she shoot him in the gut on, on the courtroom steps? <laughs> and why is he in court? Like okay, big monster. Superman's got to be- defeat the big monster. Oh, guess not. Yeah. <laughs> it, easy to get your head around. But in this story, Hail Hydra, like, uh, uh, with Captain America, sorry, I just, I had to do the spoilers. (laughs) It's the same kind of...
0: If people have the internet, they already know. Yeah. They already know. Yeah,
1: if you could download the show...
0: You can't avoid it.
1: Yeah, you couldn't. And then, you know, you got Tom Prevort going out and being like, no, no, it's been there for 75 years if you go back to the beginning. It's like, dude, if you gotta try to sell it this hard...
0: Well, some of those, like... I didn't know how much of this I wanted to talk about for the news mm-hmm. versus how much to talk about next week for the look back because this is clearly one of the books we'll
2: be doing. Spoilers! Mm-hmm. It's Spoilers. one of the books we'll be doing. <laughs> <laughs> I think we.
0: If you ever hear us say we're going to be picking up a number one for the list, you can rest assured that book's probably going to appear at the end.
2: Uh, unless it's a Image, oh, it's a Dark Horse, book. or Vertigo or something like that. Uh-huh. Number one. Or X Factor number 1, bought by John.
0: (laughs) Yeah, those books are always like, yeah, we don't need to read that. (laughs) Um, People are getting in such a huge tizzy about this, and it's like, do you not pay attention to comic books? Because they do stuff like this all the time. Mm -hmm. People are always killed. They switch sides. Something terrible happens because of them or to them. It's all there to sell the book. Yep. And it's it's working. Um, one of my favorite things to see coming out of this was people using the hashtag Nick Spencer is Hydra.
1: <laughs>
0: um, and they're like, how can he do this? People are like, trying to like, drum him out of comic books because he made Captain America an agent of Hydra. And it's like, no, like the dude's trying to tell a story and he's mm. taking it somewhere that it hasn't been before
2: and he even said like wait till issue two like when all the cards are laid out on the table like you're mm-hmm. only getting the smallest section of what the storyline is
1: wait till you get it all and then make this opinion about it all yeah yeah wait until the shoe actually drops right now we raise that shoe yeah, yeah we got the shoe in our hand still we're about to drop it, so and i i, I trust Nick much i think this is just
0: too much of people not reading the comic books And then being like, think of the children. Like, it's a case of that. Mm -hmm. And then, I'm sorry, if you are a comic book fan and this is like spitting in your face, spoilers for Captain America. He was turned young again Mm -hmm. by a sentient cosmic cube. (laughs) And also right now, his main villain, the Red Skull, has telepathic powers that he stole from Professor Xavier's brain. They can easily do this away with it being like, an alternate reality or he's brainwashed mm-hmm. right? those are two things that are happening to captain america on the periphery right now yeah i mean i can explain this
2: if you ask some of those people would you like do you know that the current captain america was the
1: falcon like mm-hmm. you know relax like let the story play out oh no they know about that because i remember fox news being very upset that they changed captain america during a time of war <laughs> you don't change presidents Don't change your Captain America during wartime. And you don't kill him, also. People get very upset with Captain America. Because his name's
0: America. It's a lot of hullabaloo that's ultimately going to be forgotten in six, seven months, whenever this arc's wrapped up. And, like, the fervors die down after number two comes out, because people's attention spans aren't going to last that long
1: i i just love that the first 10 uh pages of captain america number one is uh you know steve rogers going to the bar young again and he's like all right great uh oh wow they named a beer after me Wait, i'll have an america oh
0: uh, i was gonna say have was it because i honestly haven't read the book yet because i was so soured by the fact that and then Like, his... the big cliffhanger was spoiled before I even had a chance to buy the
1: book. No, he's making a Budweiser yeah. joke. Yeah. And then uh, then he wakes up, hungover, which never happens to him because of Super Soldier Serum. But, you know, didn't work for whatever reason. And uh, he joined Hydra. He doesn't even know what, what happened. It's basically like,
0: we're going to see the dude, where's my car?
1: <laughs> dude, where's my shield? That's what they're going to wind
0: up calling it. But we'll read it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. <laughs> yeah, you already purchased hey, it. We hey, have for, to know. Nick Spencer, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Hashtag Nick Spencer is Hydra. Whatever. Uh, sign me up.
1: Yeah, let him be Hydra. Hey, give
0: me my green and yellow jumpsuit and read it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it right. was a
1: really crappy week for news.
0: The <laughs> uh, only other thing I had was the live-action Beauty and the Beast teaser trailer coming out from over at Disney.
1: Yeah, most viewed a uh, uh, trailer on YouTube. Wow. Really? Like in, uh, YouTube's history so far, so. Well, over oh, like a 24 hour period, like the okay. most of
0: you- More than, like, Force Awakens?
1: Yeah, uh, More in than the- Ghostbusters? Well, that's Ghostbusters is the most disliked.
0: Yeah, but people had to watch it to dislike it. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't have to really. Yeah.
1: No, no, nobody needs to do you. We just talked about this for the past ten minutes. Yeah, I, you don't need yeah. to do anything before you dislike want something.
2: You want
0: me over? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'm guessing you guys maybe
1: watched it.
2: I did. I saw. I sent it to you when I saw it.
1: Yeah. You. Um, yeah. What's what's not to like about it though? It's it doesn't show you anything. It's very
0: <laughs> cinematic. Um, mm-hmm. It gives a lot of just. Setting Theory and music, you get a very brief glimpse of Emma Watson's Bell at the end. I think my favorite thing about it was the fact that at certain points the castle looks like Hogwarts. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> going to imagine it as Hogwarts. Um, but also, I don't know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing, or at least hearing, Ewan McGregor and Ian McKellen as those side characters more now.
1: Ian McKellen's one of the side yeah. characters. What? Um, is he when you
0: watch the trailer? And, like, you hear the two voices be like, it's a girl. Um, That's Ewan McGregor as Lumiere
1: (laughs) and uh, Ian McKellen, Sir Ian McKellen, as Cogsworth. Um, You can
0: tell when he's like, you fool.
1: (laughs) You know, when we went to Disney, Chris, uh, many years ago, and we did the uh, which animated character are you quiz inside of Disney, Mm -hmm. I got Cogsworth. So, Ian McKellen.
0: From Ant-Man. Or not (laughs) Ant-Man.
1: You got uh, Flick. Yeah, from uh, *Bugs Tale*, B- *A Bug's Life*. Yeah. That movie is really
0: underrated on the on the Disney
1: Pixar scale. Oh, well, because Woody Allen also came out with *Ants* that same year, and everybody loves yeah. Woody Allen.
0: No, everybody hated *Ants* though because
1: it was a. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got some board game news. Let's talk like about board games. Yeah. Uh, a, yeah, uh, a, because this is big convention season coming up for uh, board games here in the United States. Um, Asmode is announced uh, through their repost line. Caching Guns is going their second edition of Caching Guns is coming out with a new expansion called Team Spirit. Uh, so it's you can now play instead of uh, all versus all game, you can you know do teams in Caching Guns, which I'm kind of excited about. I, I think that'll really change up the game. Uh, Chris, you've played Caching Guns with us at least once. This is a game where uh, it's basically a Mexican standoff you're all playing people that uh Oh yeah, okay. you rob the bank and now you're you're back at the hideouts. but and you uh, got,
0: like a little like styrofoam gun that yeah, you point
1: at people. you point at people and you can pick whether or not you're going to shoot them you, before you the round you, you pick whether or not you're going to shoot somebody or just uh bluff and so it's a, a kind of social bluffing game which is with foam guns and it's it's really fun because it's that end of uh, Reservoir Dogs just played out and uh now you can play it on teams with this new expansion. You get more characters. you can play uh, up to nine people on the team now. More cards, more loot. What's not to like about that? If you like cash and guns like I do, uh, it's definitely one of those things that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's definitely awesome. fun.
0: that's the other version mm-hmm. of the game I would try. I mean, we only played cash and guns, I think like twice that day. Was it during all day game day?
1: It was uh, when you were back in town, when you were still living in Michigan, and your friends you were hanging out with friends at Resurgence, and then okay. they all came over, and they played like round after round of it. Like it always seems like that, it is that game that you play with people that have been drinking, <laughs> <laughs> because I think it goes over better just because everybody's kind of loose, and then you can really have fun with you know pointing foam guns at each other. Uh I think it's that kind of perfect, like, while you're drinking, kind of just light game. You can get your head around it. Oh, yeah, I don't want to... What's the rules? I don't want to be shot. I want to shoot other people. I want to get as much cash as I can. Okay, I get that. Oh, this is how I shoot people? I point a gun at them and I play a card? Okay. Easy. <laughs> That's all the rules. <laughs> and uh
2: I'd, I'd be up for for trying that. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of fun to do it on teams.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, definitely trying to bring more to that game than was before, than it was before.
1: Yeah, I got o- no other news really. You know, there's yeah. you, you guys can go, you know search online if you're interested in more in board games. Well, we had a little bit of just a uh, movie bracket news. Oh, right, we had. Um X-Men Apocalypse came out. I don't have the weekend numbers yet because we're recording early on Sunday. Uh, but over on Box Office Mojo, they're estimating about $80 million for the weekend for X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, opening weekend for Alice Through the Looking Glass as well. Don't have an estimate on their weekend numbers yet, but they only made uh, a little under $10 million on Friday. So, but it granted... Uh, Alice in Wonderland is going up against the most disliked trailer on YouTube, Ghostbusters. So maybe that'll be enough. But
0: uh, people, they'll still go see that movie, though, just to complain about. It. I think people are speaking
1: about Ghostbusters,
2: jams yeah.
0: obviously. Uh,
2: but and I picked Ghostbusters over Alice.
0: Me too. Uh, I I can't remember. I think I might have picked Alice over just based on how well the first one did. But. Now, now, like, retrospect, if that is the way I picked out, I don't even remember, honestly. I would have to go check my notes. <laughs> the first Alice movie came out years ago now, and it's right when, like, oh, you have to see it in 3D, was kind of at its peak, which I think really drove the, uh, the mm. box office for that one. And now it's it's just something that's tacked on to movies. I don't think it's really too special anymore. And right. I'm sorry, I, I do not care for the, like... The general look of those alice movies at all
1: yeah the over-exaggerated facial features the like weird proportions of everything yeah yeah it and the, everything looks like too fake and like plasticky mm-hmm. and super saturation on some of the colors and then super low contrast on other it yeah, just when you uh, see
0: that and then you go back to like The Jungle Book, which just came out, where everything in that movie is CG,
1: and it looks amazing. Like,
0: come on. Come on, guys.
1: So it looks better than Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow?
0: I guess. I honestly never saw it.
1: (laughs) It wasn't that good. It was like a total green screen movie. It was a total green screen movie, and the whole premise was, we're going to make a movie like how all movies are going to be made in the next ten years. That's how Lucas made all the Star Wars movies. All green screen. All green screen. X-Men Apocalypse is going up against TMNT Out of the Shadows, and I think that's $80 million for opening weekend is probably going to hold off Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know. Bebop and Rock Study?
2: <laughs> um... I am more inclined to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles than... I've had uh, several people ask me about going to see this, and I've been like, no, I'm not going to see X-Men. I...
1: What I if we guessed our- them
2: both? If I had to pick one, I'd probably go see Teenage
0: Mutant
1: Ninja Turtles. What What if we had to guest star on another show and we had to talk about X Men Apocalypse? Mm, <laughs> mm, so take that off the table. All right. But uh, <laughs> well, um, if I if I had to pick one,
0: I mean, I would probably go with Turtles just because I will always love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Is that like <laughs> seven year old kid in me? Um, and honestly. I love Stephen Amell. Like, that dude's awesome. Uh, He did a, like, PR event where he was at a pizzeria in (laughs) New York City, like, serving pizza for the movie. And it wasn't, like, everyone was there. It was just, like, him behind the counter, like, talking to people like, hey, who's your favorite turtle? Oh, yeah, I love Donatello. He's awesome in this movie. Like, what kind of pizza (laughs) do you want? (laughs) Hurry up. I got a line. Oh, what's your favorite
2: turtle? Yeah, he's awesome, too. All right. It's, it's, i like, no, nobody likes
1: Leo. No pizza. <laughs> the
2: worst. You don't get any pizza.
1: Every time we no. t- talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I always want turtle soup. <laughs> <laughs> Cause they, you know, constantly, what you bopping rocks headed is, like, I'm gonna make turtle soup out of you. And I'm like, alright, cool. So I'm now on epicurious.com looking for <laughs> recipes, uh, you know, for mock turtle soup. Because I do have a heart and I'm not gonna actually eat turtle. That? that doesn't seem that seems gamey and weird. I don't I'd eat a turtle. You'd eat a turtle? I don't want it. I would
0: I wouldn't order turtle, but if turtle
1: was put in front of me I would eat it. Hmm. Well yeah, if somebody gave it to me, I y I don't turn anything. Can't turn down food. You know, that somebody lovingly prepared for you. I can. You can? Yeah. What? If somebody made you sit dinner, you'd say no? Yeah, if I didn't like it or didn't want it. Weird. You're a grown up. <laughs> Just eat the damn thing. I, I'm a grown up. I don't need to eat that if I don't want to. You're, you're a grown up. There's comic books coming out that people are going to buy for you. You got to read them. No matter whether or not you want to. He's going to buy them for me. I'm buying Civil War number two. Uh, for me? Two, for me? Number one for <laughs> the look back.
0: He, he's not buying it for you. He is buying it for all of us. <laughs> for so all? He's putting it on the table. I mean, You're going so to have to read it.
1: Because it's here. It's the explosive first chapter of the comic event everybody will be talking about. I don't think that's true, because I've bought plenty of books that have been like, hey, let's do this for the look-back, and then Chris is like, what?
2: We're supposed to read
0: that one? <laughs> it's, it's not because I'm, like, looking down at it and being like, is there a cardamom in this? And then pushing it away from me. <laughs> it's because I'm just an idiot and I've <laughs> to read that book. <laughs> it's never out of disgust. It's just negligence, John. Uh...
2: But also, I did not finish reading Dark Phoenix Saga.
0: (sighs) But but you know what? You tried it. You tried it. (laughs) You fold your napkin, you put it down next to your plate, and you're like, I'm good, thank you.
1: (laughs) But uh, this is written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by David uh, Marquet. Uh, We'll be doing issue zero for The Look Back uh, this month, and we might talk about issue number one for June's look back, because this is a book coming out June 1st! We're already into June, guys. Crazy. Halfway through the year. 2016, we hardly knew you. John, did you load up your book yet? I yeah, see I'm, you frantically. No, Oh, I'm so frantic. I'm just holding my phone, ready to talk about oh, you, it. You're moving your thumbs. Good, I'm, read, I'm glad you're ready, because I'm listening to Chris right now. Chris, hey, I'm are actually
0: you? looking forward to a book spinning out of the <laughs> DC Universe Rebirth. And this is Green Lantern's number one. This is written by Jeff Johns, with art by Ethan Van Skyver. And this is going to be focusing on two of the newer lanterns in the DC universe, with Jessica Cruz, who was the power uh, has the power ring from the uh, crime syndicate, happened back in whatever the event was that we didn't really pay attention to. Masters of Evil. Why not? Uh, and then Simon Baz actually kind of stepping back into the forefront of the dc universe um he's kind of been forgotten
1: yeah i forgot about him too i'm like wait who's that oh right right
2: right
0: um i'm looking forward to this uh fact that it's jeff johns with ethan skyver the two of them back on green lantern is something to pay attention to on their own but together hell yeah why not
1: and with a rebirth title on it and a rebirth title on it (laughs) and it's
0: also coming out weekly so hey why not oof yeah um I I read an interview with Ethan Van Skyver and he's had like a lot of lead up time and he's really just pushing himself to be faster now Mm -hmm. because he didn't have to before. Like he was happy to do that like one book a month, like have it be like a top tier book. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't have to be a monthly. It could be like a limited series or a mini series. And now he's like, Hey, like I want to get back into doing that monthly. I want to, you know, challenge myself and test myself to, to do that work faster without sacrificing quality. So I'm looking forward to seeing where how, like how he handles it because I already know I'm going to really like
1: what Jeff Johns does. Oh, I can see Ethan Van burning himself out real quick.
2: No, he's had time.
1: He's been working on it for. I know. This has been planned. He's been working on it for a while, so he's got a lead up. Yeah, yeah, but I see himself like as soon as that lead up, like if he falls behind on that lead up at all, uh, I, I can
2: see him like because I listen. I listen to. Um, When Chris started mentioning it, I've listened to Word Balloon where they Mm -hmm. were interviewing about this, and he seems genuinely excited. Like he's not just putting extra, way crazy detail in, but he's still trying to make sure that it it fits his standard of a picture. Yeah, Uh, and and
1: I mean the dude's a huge Green Lantern fan too, so mm -hmm. I
0: think coming back to this title,
1: it's gonna be good for him yeah it might be but man i remember listening to word balloon like 8 years ago when he was super excited about projects and then like a month later after the project kind of starts he's just done with it he just he just gets burned out on things it seems he's just got one of those kind of personalities where he's super excited and then it just fizzles it just so I'm I'm a little afraid. But I'm looking forward to... All oh, right,
2: I forgot. We didn't talk about your book. Uh, Green Arrow Rebirth, number one. Uh, this is going to be written by Ben Percy and art by Otto Schmidt. Cover art by Juan Ferreira. Hmm. One of my favorites.
0: Otto Schmidt's artwork's awesome, too, so I'm actually looking forward to seeing. Uh,
2: and this brings the goatee back to our Emerald Archer and also brings... The Black Canary into his world.
1: I just had an image, uh, a flash of the, of Green Arrow wearing a screen printed goat on a t-shirt. Ah, oh. <laughs> he's wearing a goat tee. Mm. Uh, so. I
2: hate you. I'm a, I, I'm a big Green Arrow fan. Uh, um, since it's early, I'm punchy. <laughs> he is punchy. I, um, I haven't been happy with what's been going on. In the books, I mean, he was a werewolf. It was really, (laughs) really bizarre stuff they've been doing to him. So I'm hoping to get back into some
1: good Green Arrow story. Yeah, this is their third relaunch in like as many years for Green Arrow. And and not to like talk
0: about this too much because it hasn't come out yet, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more for like the June look back. But I I think they really did realize how far away stuff got in the new Fifty Two. And people stopped caring, so they had to do those crazy, like, no, he's a werewolf now, type stories. Even when Green Arrow was really good when it relaunched.
2: Yeah. Well, after after like the when first. Yeah, well, after and then they brought Jafar on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think I'm I'm excited for this. I'm hoping to get back to what I love in Green Arrow.
1: <laughs> Green <laughs> Arrow's your new X Factor book. <laughs> No, I'm
2: totally okay with walking away from it as I've done. Oh. Uh, every week I'm not like, and this is when it gets good, guys. They're gonna stop making oh. up a little werewolf. <laughs> he ate some garlic bread. He's done being a werewolf. <laughs> garlic bread cures anything. Yeah. I know it definitely cures
1: hunger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your uh, ability to make out with people, too. <laughs> The, no, they just to do garlic
0: saying. bread, too, and that's not a problem.
1: <laughs> like, hey,
0: baby, have some garlic bread. They're
1: not going to say no.
2: Unless they're a werewolf and want to stay a werewolf. And uh, something I kind of want to say no to is Ithaca Beer Company's mm-hmm. Super Stout Coffee Stout. It's just a weak stout, and I think that's because it's under 5%. Oh, yeah. Uh With a coffee stout, you want a nice richness, kind of a boldness. This is very
1: watery in the palate. Not a lot of flavor going on. Okay, now what if we were to tell you this was an Irish dry stout with coffee? Is that any better? Um, Because that's what I, you know, like sipping it, I'm like, oh, this is like a... Like the Brooklyn, like, Irish dry. If you just called
2: this a dry Irish stout, with cop- coffee. <laughs> I, I think if you left the coffee out, because there's barely any coffee here. Mm-hmm. If you said it was just a dry Irish stout, I think I would say, oh, okay, you know, okay, it's got a little mm-hmm. bit of nuttiness to it and everything, but... Yeah. It's almost a brown ale.
1: Like a is, nut brown.
2: Yeah. This is very underwhelming.
1: hmm From Ithaca.
2: Especially, like, when you're going to... We're going to have the Sumatra Mountain after this,
1: and that is, like... Bold, rich, amazing flavors. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking you're having some, uh, some, some confirmation bias here with here. Like, this one's really good. Is this one as good? No. This one's horrible. Well, I, would this, I, I I think I would put this on the bottom of any coffee stout I've ever had. Wow. Uh, yeah, this one isn't quite great. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It, well, I like, you just really yeah, I I have to, like, sell it as a nut brown instead of a stout. And well,
2: it's you, definitely not you, super. You can't sell it as a, a nut brown because they're
1: selling it as a stout. You can't just change everything <laughs> all over. Hey, I can open up a beer, pour it into a glass, and say, hey, enjoy this nut brown. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not true. It's oh, a- what's this nut brown called? Super stout? <laughs> yeah. That's how oh. I would do it. If I were That's to serve very, it to somebody at my house, I would be like, "And I want to get rid of it, which I do now." I'd be like, "Oh, you want an up brown?" And is I cracks this open. So <laughs> this. you think this is
2: okay? Then you totally have to be okay with them saying Captain America is a hydrogen <laughs> agent because it's the same principle. Yeah, changing changing the rules as you go. <laughs> hey. You son of a bitch! I'm with Nick Spencer. <laughs> Chris, what are you drinking, bud? Um... My next one of the sculpins is
0: the pineapple, and I think I like this more than the grapefruit. Yeah, you do. It's a great pineapple flavor on it, but it still doesn't overpower the, like, the IPA-ness with the hops. I just, I like how the grapefruit came in on the back end of the other sculpin. I like the more flavor front profile on this one, though. I find the- I I, I think it's the right balance here.
1: I found that pineapple kind of bobs and weaves through that IPA. Like you get the IPA a little up front, and then you get that tropical fruitiness and then you get the IPA you get a, then you get a little bit more of that pineapple and then it finishes like the IPA. Which I love is, the uh,
2: pineapple tastes like freezer burnt pineapple like it's not a good pineapple oh. taste to it. I see I I actually love pineapple in any way shape yeah. or form. You like freezer burnt pineapple? I love pineapple, but I thought this beer was a total
1: miss. I didn't think it was very good at all. I only had the one bottle, so I haven't had multiple bottles. But when I had it, I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is great!" It cuts through the IPA in a way that complements the IPA flavor without overpowering it, yeah, and it it's, just—it's a good matchup. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I would definitely take this over the grapefruit again. Just you know why? Because I think it's because I can. Get the grapefruit at a cheaper price point, other places, but I can't get this pi- same kind of pineapple uh, yeah. anywhere else. And so I'm really excited that you like it because I got sour face John over here just dissing <laughs> it constantly. And you know, for like fourteen ninety nine for a six pack, it's it's a little difficult to uh, to pick up thinking that you're gonna be drinking it all alone, so very very alone.
0: I did like a craft your own six pack. With uh, the three that I have, And next is the watermelon, which I'm kind of hmm. least enthused about. But
2: I, I enjoyed the watermelon Dorado. Oh, it's the Dorado. Okay, it's their double IPA with watermelon. I still
1: really love even keel mango. I don't. I didn't like that either. oh uh, was very disappointing. Comes in a can, and man, like I'll crack one open. i like, I'll just have one to like relax the night, and then like an hour and a half later, I'm on my third. Can of it, and I'm like, oh, these things are so good. Like, especially after like a, a Thursday night when you come home, mow the lawn, and then like you do it, or like yesterday where just a ton of yard work, and you're just like, Shh. all right, I'm taking a little break. Need a little, need a little pick me up. Need a little hydration. I did drink like six cans of All Day IPA yesterday <laughs> at a
2: <laughs> cookout. <laughs> uh-huh. It was like water. It's it's
0: good though. Well, yeah, it's, it's so good.
1: good. But that's why I bought the 18 pack of it. <laughs> I'm glad you were doing the all-day IPA because I told you it'd be dangerous to do that two uh, <laughs> X. It's not out yet. Uh, next week, two X Steam, right? What What is it from From Southern Tier? Two X IPA in cans. And can, oh, yeah, that sounds dangerous. But you know what isn't dangerous? Dramatic, dramatic readings. readings. And deep. now
0: a dramatic reading from DC Universe. Rebirth number one,
2: page fourteen, panel six. Barry called it a freak billion to one coincidence, though later we theorized it was Barry subconsciously drawing down the speed force. Wally, are you alright? I... I think so? That was a dramatic
0: reading from DC Universe. Rebirth number one, page fourteen,
1: panel six. Listeners, you should definitely go to our Facebook page Should look at that panel. Yes, there are three different uh, voices on that page. <laughs> you can tell. You can tell from John's reading. There was definitely three different... They yeah, all kind yeah, of sounded the same to me. <laughs> at,
2: well,
0: you, you can see the panel that John's reading. You can click on it so it'll take you to Comicsology, so you can buy the book. Mm-hmm. You can see what our top five marvel stories of all time are and follow those links to amazon buy the books and help support the bag broadcast there's a lot of great stuff there a lot of
1: great clicking yeah a lot of great clicking you can do oh. and <laughs> if you want to disagree <laughs> with our picks you can but first we have to give you those picks right definitely do all right so let's let's get right into it this is our top five uh Marvel storylines of all time. And as we said before, we're not very, uh, if you listened to last episode, we're not much into those big dynamic crossovers. So hopefully you're not expecting that. Uh, just to recap, what was our number 10 through 6? She-Hulk. Ooh, The Dan Slot, Volume 1. Astonishing X-Men. Ooh, Joss Whedon.
2: Ultimate Spider-Man. Ooh, Brian Michael Mendes. <laughs> Fantastic
1: Four. Ooh, Jonathan Hickman. And Runaways. I thought there was more Fantastic Four on this list. There, you tried. There was. There's so much Josh Whedon right now. There's two Whedons. No, no. Brian came on on. Uh, yeah, on Runaways. straight. We just talked about it last week. Yeah, but he also Josh Whedon also did a run on. I know he did on Runaways. So
0: not the best.
1: Mm-mm. He tried. He came closest.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think those are all solid books. And even just, like, hearing them
1: listed again, I'm like, wow, like, those are all things that I would love to go back and reread.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I got a... Like, I lost the first volume of uh Runaways. Like, I think so, I let some kid run it. No, I got volume two and three. Did you have, like, the digest Yeah, the Digest-sized one? one. I have it on
2: uh, Comixology. Yeah, I kind of want the paper. I think I do,
0: actually. Yeah, I got on sales. It was like
2: seven bucks or something. Oh it was, I, yeah, it was, I think it's it's seven bucks now. I think mm-hmm. I
1: got it on sale for like three. You know, but what should people buy? Because what is even better than that? What do we think is even better than those books? Our number five Ooh.
2: is Ed Brubaker and Steve Epting's Captain America: Winter Soldier, the bringing back of Bucky. These are issues. Eight and nine and then 11 through 14 is the winter soldier storyline uh in volume five of captain america Mm. uh ed brubaker's run on captain america was pretty pretty good i mean it was the book that made me like captain america uh but the winter soldier was probably his best storyline throughout the whole captain america run that he did
0: i i am in agreement with you um I was never really a Captain America fan until, like, you started reading these books and you would pass them off to me. And this is right when we were kind of branching out and discovering writers. I think because at, it was at this point we were like, "I'm going to read anything that Ed Brubaker writes," right? Like, we we kind of have to at that point. Um, this is just—it it was something that had been tried before with bringing back that long dead character in like, "Quote unquote," new and exciting way that just kind of underwhelmed. But the way Brubaker handles bringing back Bucky, it, it set the tone for Captain America in every single like aspect of media for like the next decade.
2: Uh, and just to make that point is Ed Brubaker. Ed Brubaker was a writer that I was like, "Hey, I like this guy," and then you started buying me the Captain America books, Chris. You're I I would get one or two books like for Christmas and then <laughs> my <laughs> birthday, but then Chris is like, I don't remember what you have, so here's like all over the place, and I never filled in any of those, but I just I'll got them and I read them all. I was Dr. like,
0: branch out and be like, eh, he doesn't have Iron Fist, get
2: get the dude Iron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you like his Daredevil? I think that's how I got most of my Marvel brew baker, is this Chris being like, I don't know what he has here, take these.
0: It's honestly hard to buy trades for each other because... It was easy
1: in the beginning. Mm-hmm. We all have a lot of books. Yeah. And that was during the time that uh John was falling behind and reading mostly in trade. Because of uh, her horrible, horrible relationship. And monetary, just didn't have much money. Yep. I can't believe she charged you to be her girlfriend.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have been the first time uh <laughs> all right anyways uh it's early i'm punchy. It punchy with this book we get bucky back and mm-hmm. you get him as someone who is a strong opposition to captain america and camp has a hard time trying to fight him without trying to save him because this is his little buddy this is as his brubaker put it this is the guy that actually did more espionage than cap cap mm-hmm. had to be the face he had to have the shield he couldn't sneak in and slit those guys throats but bucky was that mm-hmm. person who did that and uh i thought it was great the book shifts between artists to go back in time to world All war right. ii and you have a different artist doing the back in time stuff rough.
1: with uh I think I enjoyed the Nick. back in time parts of the story a little bit more than the modern stuff. Well, yeah, because you got like Nick Fury running around yeah. with the Holland Commandos and Cap oh, leading them. I Forgot about that.
2: And then That's you sad. have the the flips where Steve Epting is doing these amazing, just Captain America versus the Winter Soldier stuff, and it's probably, I mean, it's up there is probably to me the best Captain America story, except for maybe what Nick Spencer's doing now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> but I mean, it was so good. They, I mean, the second Captain America movie, boom. Yeah. Their plan was to make to make it into a movie,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Man. and it works. And I mean, hats off to Steve Epting, and even I think Michael Lark did some of the other yeah. Captain America stuff after this, because this is easily a story arc that could be, I don't want to say ruined, but almost bogged down with the artwork. If it had been something that was a little bit brighter like that more like quote unquote comic booky style but this was so grounded like there was a grittiness to it it, it was a wartime epic that just happens to take place in like a superhero universe and I think the artwork lends so much to it that this book would not be on the list I don't think if there had been a lesser artist on it
1: oh most definitely mm-hmm. alright I, I liked it a lot <laughs> What's our next one on our list? Wolverine
2: um, and the X-Men.
0: Yep, Wolverine and the X-Men, oh. uh, numbers 1 through 6 written by Jason Aaron with art by Chris Pacello. And this actually came out as part of the ReGenesis, like relaunching of the X-Men books where there was the schism that broke apart the X-Men families into two different camps, the one led by Wolverine and then the one led by Cyclops. And this was actually probably my favorite Tom to be an X Men fan because we were getting such weird and different takes on the X Men.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, while we did have Astonishing X Men back on the list, um, I don't remember what number it was now, sorry. Nine. Nine. Um, which was Joss Whedon taking the X Men away from being at the school and turning them into the superheroes. With Jason Aaron, we actually have the focus being more at the school. And for something, like, so, like, quote-unquote, like, standard X-Men, like, it's always been the school, like, going back to, like, the Chris Claremont stuff in, like, the early 90s and the, like, 60s, we got the glimpse of uh, the X-Men at school, being teachers, going to classes, but something about Jason Aaron's just crazy out-there storytelling lent itself so much to this, Mm -hmm. and he could throw anything on that page. And it wouldn't seem too outlandish. I, I believed everything that was happening in this book.
1: Toad is a janitor. Even though, even though it was ridiculous. <laughs> Dupe is a receptionist. It, I, I like it. <laughs> it was one of those things, like,
2: you have, like, Grant Morrison's time where he's writing it and it's a school and it seems very prep school-y, where mm-hmm. this feels like a comic book school. Yeah. Like, it's it's crazy beast is opening up portals his science lab is this like the school looks he made everything into
1: the danger room
2: everything yeah. like the school is like it's got like a tower over here it's like it's not just set to be like one look because there's a weird tree fort growing out of the side or something like yeah. just totally crazy and then all the little uh running around stealing everything which like the, the school itself is on
0: like Krakoa, the living island <laughs> so, like, from time to time, the land that the, the school's on itself would come to life and attack people. Like.
1: This is a school that Xavier didn't build because Xavier would never let this be so out of control. But this is, like, Wolverine, like, just trying to keep things together. And being like, wait, I thought you were handling that? Nobody's handling this right now? Ugh it's
2: it's the weird off the walls zany comic book and then you're like
1: oh yeah Wolverine's
2: in charge of this yeah
1: Wolverine's in charge I I like Wolverine like this because it's middle management Wolverine where everything's just about to fall apart at all times <laughs> the very first issue he's bringing in these he's giving a tour to try to raise more money for the school and you could just around every corner. A disaster is breaking out. <laughs> and him him and Kitty Bright are like, Uh yeah, so this is you know, really good for the students because, you know, it keeps them on their toes. Because it's not Charles Xavier where, oh yeah, I just mind control people and they see a perfectly normal school here at the Xavier Institute. This is all this ain't stuff that would be happening when you lock fifty prepubescent kids with crazy powers discovering not only their powers but also their sexuality because things get weird in this book right quick (laughs) things get weird but it's so like
0: it's shooting so much at you that you don't really have time to think about like wait what? Mm -hmm. because like next page like oh you have kids going to school and their teacher is like Rachel Summers uh, giving them like psychic defense classes because Wolverine needed to fill course schedules. So he was like, uh, "Who do I know? Okay, yeah, um,
1: Gene Friday, you can teach business.
0: <laughs> or no, it was uh, uh B- Bobby. Yeah, yeah, Bobby I Drake. <laughs> He's like their business professor.
1: I like Ra- Rachel Summers in that book is more Snape than Snape." <laughs> Title for the episode: More Snape than Snape. <laughs> More Snape than Snape. It, I I
0: love this book, and like thinking back to what my favorite Marvel arcs were, made me realize that I need to go back and revisit this because this came out at a great time. I I love this book. I love where Jason Aaron then went with Amazing X Men, uh, bringing back Nightcrawler, and just having it oh yeah. swashbuckling around hell like. Again, crazy, crazy ideas, but it's so much fun and it works so well. When it could, like, Amazing X-Men and Wolverine, the X-Men could have easily fallen apart on any front if the writing or the artwork didn't work. And Chris Pacello just completely nails it. You give that dude something that's just bizarre
2: and out there, mm-hmm. and he can make it work. A lot like, uh, Sorcerer Supreme there. Doctor yeah. Strange. Doctor Strange looks so good.
0: Yeah, all very sketchy. Like if you have Chris Pichello on your artwork, he's not an artist that you want to give those strict, rigid guidelines in your script, where you're telling him like what to do in each panel. And you're just like, yo, it, the danger room's taking over the school. Like, let well, things happen.
1: Yeah, I would write stuff like big techno scary. <laughs> like that wouldn't be it. You're like. Uh, monster. Lots of arms.
2: 17 eyes.
1: (laughs) No, I wouldn't give numbers. I'd be like, you know, uh, rock monster comes to life, size of mountain. (laughs) Like that. I think that's all he needs. And then, uh. Oh, man. I don't have the list written down in front of me. I have our individual lists. Um, Thor um, Thor got a thunder. Oh, this is one of our, this was brought to us by a listener, by the way. Friend of the show, uh, Steve Rosenberg. And this has, uh, three words that I love, uh, in comic books that I want more of each and every time. And those three words are Old King Thor. <laughs> just give me more Old King Thor. Bring me my arm! <laughs> Cause he lost his arm. This is just like, um it tells the story of the god but the opening is talking telling a this out of time kind of story or a um asynchronous story line of this god butcher uh his origin story in the past when Thor was a young man and doesn't have the hammer yet he he has this axe and he's just all about the battle uh then you know current day, Avenging Thor, you know, Thor's an Avenger, like what we get in the book, and then Old King Thor, which is the, the... All-Father. The All-Father Thor, at the end of all of Asgard, he's like one of the only people left. It's him and his three daughters, right? And, uh... And they, they're still locked in battle, locked in battle with this god Butcher. You know, uh, a creation that uh, that he that young Thor created, basically, just out of uh just out of arrogance well not out of arrogance just out of mishaps and then how how avenging thor and all these three thors have to come together The three to thors fight. have to come together to fight together which the god butcher gore right g o r yeah uh
2: no it was one the art amazing by um you said Rubik. he mm-hmm. said Rubik. thank you You're welcome um just makes the book, if if it wasn't for his art, I don't think I would have fallen as hard for this book because the art is just amazing, like watercolor painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the storyline, it's just, I never thought I'd ever care about a Thor book. Mm-hmm. And Jason Aaron makes me care about a Thor book. And he rocks it when you have all three of these Thors. Mm-hmm. At first, just little individual stories in that first issue of kind of mm-hmm. their fir- the first time he's met him, the second time he's met him, and then the third time mm-hmm. that he's met this God Butcher. And it just, everything just works so well. And I mean, I, I hunted down the issues. I paid like an astronomical amount in Canada <laughs> at a comic book convention to have the single issues of this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just continuing on with the the series, but we borrowed it, we borrowed Steve's issues, he dropped them off at your mm-hmm. house, and I think we just kind of sat around reading it, and then being like, hey, you got to read this first issue, and just kind of a round robin of all three of us sitting there, mm. passing off those six issues to read it. it.
1: was so good.
0: It was really good, and this is one of those books that made me a Thor fan when I had never been a Thor fan before. And that's that's impressive. Like As someone that's gone their entire life with Not liking, like, one of those top tier characters. It took Jason Aaron to tell us, like, a Thor story that made me be like, okay, I, I like this. And I think that speaks to him as a writer, that he's in our top five (laughs) twice. Uh, He could, he could easily (laughs) have been in, like, more.
1: I think that's the story of all of our top of the top fives. We could say that. Well, we would never been the biggest Wolverine fans. We've never been the biggest Captain America fans. We weren't the biggest Thor fans, and you know our top two, right? Yeah. Uh, we could basically just say the same things of you know we we liked them. Um, uh, w- oh, okay. Would disagree with that. Oh, you you like yeah. the top two? Alright. You were I I I do. Oh, okay. Before these issues. Yes. You know what we were big fans of before uh, before drinking this beer? Foundry's Brewery. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to
2: keep doing this, or
1: trying to do it the first time. I'm still not finished with
2: like, uh pineapple. Well, we're going to go on and on about this beer. You can get your
1: stuff ready, and then we'll pause when... Because uh, you already you reviewed this beer, Chris. You made it sound so delicious, so good, that we had to have it. And since we're drinking so early, like, it's the perfect time to drink it. Uh,
2: yeah. When I showed up at Paul's house, they said, oh, we should have that Sumatra Mountain. It's a imperial brown ale mm-hmm. brewed with coffee because we're recording at 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is everything I want in a coffee beer. Uh, the beer itself holds up against that coffee, but it's rich. It's got mm-hmm. a thick mouthfeel, and the flavors work so well together. Uh, also putting it at a 9%. Oh, jeez. Uh, it's, yeah. it's pretty, and I it mean, sneaks it's, up on you. it's,
1: it's smooth. There's not really that big alcohol there. Um, it's got that more milk coffee. It almost feels like the mouth feels almost like a, it's a little bit more acidic than a milk stout, but it has that same kind of creaminess to it. Yeah. Um, but you get a little bit of that y kind of mouthfeel it's a nice it's a nice
2: coffee flavor to it Mm -hmm. the brown ale it's not lost in there nope it's a well made well well balanced beer Mm -hmm. so much better than those first two now the spot coffee might be on us might be on us for that 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 was an eight percent beer Ooh. So it was a bigger boy, and I think that's what allows your beer to hold up against the mm-hmm. coffee. Uh, super stout, too watery. It mm-hmm. Too low in alcohol to stand up against that coffee and just a watery beer. Mm-hmm. This has got gravitas. So Macho Mountain's has mm-hmm. got this ability just to be like, nope, hey, boom. revel mm-hmm. Everything you want in... Um, in this beer, the richness, the mm-hmm. m- mouthfeel, the thickness. Uh, I mean, it's well, 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 well made. I, I agree. I love that beer, something fierce.
1: Mm.
0: I mm. think I have a bottle of it still just sitting, waiting to be drank, but but that's not what I'm drinking now.
1: I got two of these bottles still waiting to be drank.
0: And this is the next ballast point, and this is the watermelon Dorado sitting high at 10%. Um, first sip you get a lot of like it's that candy watermelon like right on the front like before you even actually start to like sip the beer like you can taste it Um, and that kind of candy taste lingers until you get a bit of that IPA on the back end Um, and the Dorado is Bell's Point's double IPA And I thought the double IPA was going to be a bit overpowering for watermelon, which is usually like a little bit more subtle taste, but like the watermelon flavor that they use for this is just so like candy sweet sweet that you, you do get that hop. Like I can still taste on the back of my tongue, like I have that little bit of bitterness there. And I don't know how I feel about this yet. And John, you said you had this one before, so I kind of wanted your thoughts on it while I, like I dig back into it.
2: Uh, it's very in the beginning. It's very jolly rancher sweet. Yeah. Uh, I found that as it warmed up, it loses a little bit of that sweetness and is more kind of watermelony IPA. Is it, uh,
0: it more on the like the
2: watermelon side of something like the Twenty First Amendment Hell or High Watermelon? Um, it's a little. It's still stronger and still sweeter than that. Because okay. with the the Twenty First Amendment, they're using real watermelon. So you just really get a watermelon kind of essence to that beer, where this is definitely manufactured watermelon yeah. syrup. No, when you said Jolly Rancher, like I was taking another sip and I was just
0: like, "Yeah, it's it's that like it's, it's that pink candy at the bottom of your Halloween bag."
1: I found oh, that rises to the top, man. Oh.
2: In the <laughs> in um, when I first had it. I uh you know, like I was having a game night with some friends and I gave mm-hmm. everyone a sip and everyone was like, Ooh, no, I don't like it. And I was I wasn't in that boat of not liking it, mm-hmm. but it stayed in front of me. We played a game, I'd take a sip, we started another game, you know, you'd take a sip, and then once it started to warm up a little bit is when I went, Oh, I like this. This is just this is getting to the point where it's just right. And by I, the end I let this warm up then by the end of the beer i was really happy with it would i go out and get it again probably not cuz i think i wouldn't be able to get it to that point where i really liked it in my mm-hmm. glass unless i let it sit out
1: while i played games you get a blowtorch and you're just like <laughs> taking the internal you put a you just throw a thermometer in there and you just start right uh
2: but no it's definitely um it's definitely a watermelon syrup fruit beer right up front, and by the time you finish it, it finishes as a nice watermelon beer hmm. I'm, I'm definitely gonna try to let this warm up um, like finish it
0: before we finish. I mean, we have like two more books to talk about, but I this is probably on me because I thought with hey, you know what? I'm drinking IPAs, they're all fruit flavored they'd probably be a little bit better if they were crisper, so I put them all in the refrigerator before we started recording and yeah, they they've been good, and I'm not saying this one's bad, but I really didn't know what to expect with a watermelon flavored double IPA. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I was looking up on uh, online here because when you because I remember seeing it at the store and I didn't pick it up because I'm like, eh, I, I have a higher hell water high, I'm sorry, hell or high watermelon from Twenty First Amendment, which I really enjoyed, and then New Belgium just came back into our area. And man, that heavy melon with the lime in it is great. And they're both five percent. And I'm like, you know what? That's what I want from a watermelon beer. Like a ten percent. I I don't want to. I don't want to drink something that high alcohol. Like with it being watermelon, because if I'm thinking watermelon, I'm thinking refreshing. I'm thinking hydrating. I'm thinking you know. Just it's rec- still refreshing. You're, you're you're still, th- but you guys are talking Jolly Rancher. But it's yeah, it's
0: not so, that subtle like watermelon taste that you get from the hell or high watermelon like this is like jolly rancher watermelon it's, see
1: that doesn't sound refreshing bad, to like,
0: me it's a good candy but
1: right that seems like when you say jolly rancher that seems like a treat that seems like something to kind of wind down with not something to like oh i'm just tired i just want to relax real quick i want something yeah. to kind of take this harshness out of my mouth a jolly rancher doesn't i don't I don't want to suck on a hard candy after running it, this is, I suck it, on hard candy it, while this I'm like running.
0: came mm. in a bottle that said power aid <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, like, I wouldn't be surprised because it it's that kind of just like hey here it is
2: it's and like then, a fruit punch
0: yeah mm. and then on the back I'm like oh like my mouth's a little dried out like I have that hot, but I still have that lingering like syrup sweetness kind of mm. You know what? It's, it's not bad, but you know, I wanted to warm up a little bit. So far, like I haven't had a lot of watermelon beers, but I would go hell or high watermelon before this. Oh, ones. I would That's too. Hell or it's high watermelon's number one.
1: And drinkable. I'm putting New Belgium Heavy Melon number one. I didn't I care for it out. too much. I, re- I think it has more watermelon. It has that nice lime uh, to it too. Just rounds out that flavor. It's it's good, Chris. If you can find it. Highly suggested.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm
1: gonna keep an eye out for it next time I go beer shopping, which will
0: probably be next week because I really stocked up when I went shopping the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we saw, we saw. Yeah, I That's good. that's the picture. I got free glasses and bottle openers because of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Sometimes, to a week, sometimes
0: you gotta spend money on beer.
1: We got something coming to the listeners for free right now. That's our top two books from Marvel of all time. Ooh. I forgotten where we left off. It has to be number two, right? Yeah, because we're sure. not on number two. one. What's that and book? This is,
0: the, like, like, this is the book that when, like, Paul, you were like, oh, this made me a fan of Thor, and I think that's where we're going to be at for the rest of the books. No. I, I took personal offense to that because I've always been a Daredevil fan. It's just never been that book that really hooked me in. Mm. Like, it would get my attention, and I could read it, but then it would start to kind of, like, wane from it. Until we had our number two entry, which is Daredevil by Mark Wade with Paulo Rivera on art, and everything about this book just sings, and it sings in a way on the panels where it's actually like saying "sing" in tiny little words. Yeah. Drawn in because Paulo Rivera, your artwork fantastic. I love you. Thank you.
2: Uh, yeah, and I was Ed Brubaker's Daredevil is what got me to be a fan of Daredevil. And this book is... Sure. You and that Brubaker! Mm-hmm. This is that book that I definitely was like, whoa, this is the complete opposite of Ed Brubaker's. Mm-hmm. And I loved it more than Ed Brubaker's. And it was art. And it, I mean, when Paulo Rivera left and Chris Somni came on, like, it still kept the
1: book going. It worked so well together. What I really loved about this book is the tongue-in-cheek aspect of it, of, uh, Matt walking down the street, buying a hot dog, and the hot dog vendor being like, so, uh, Daredevil, how's your day going? And Matt Murdock being like, eh, yeah, I'm not Daredevil. <laughs> 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 Can I get mustard on that dog, please? <laughs> like...
0: but, but then, like, the way, like, Paolo Dros, just like, just that, like, that smile in, uh-huh. in Matt's face. And it's like, yeah, I'm not terrible, but I'm having a great day. Oh. Was... Th- this book, it was so. Li- I don't want to say it was so light and fun.
1: Yeah, because Froggy with Cancer.
0: Yeah, it- it's not light. And that Ugh. issue on its own. Where, yeah. He- he's with the kids, and like they make the comic book. It's heart wrenching, but mm-hmm. it's so good. And for everything else we've done on this list, like we have an art. We have, like, oh, read issues 1 through 6. Like, read issues 538 through 588. Like, check out these issues for the best. Daredevil, we didn't really do that.
1: Yeah, it, because we it, couldn't it's, agree.
0: It's good. <laughs> yeah. This is what... Um, what Green Lantern. Green Lantern was to issue whatever we did. Mm-hmm. Daredevil, like, we can't agree on an arc because... The whole run is fantastic.
1: Yeah, that one single issue too still stands out when Matt's talking about Froggy and chemo and being like, I cannot physically be in the room with him because the chemo, just the smell of it, just by my heightened senses, it gets me sick. Like, I can... And I, I need to be there for my friend, yet I physically can't be there for my friend. And I think we've all had that situation, so it's so relatable. And to have a superhero go through those relatable moments really always hook me. I like, it's like, oh, man, I'm in it now. Well, and it's I,
2: it, there's so many – Mark Wade brings so many characters that you always just thought were just like, oh, man, that's a schlub villain, and brings it in a way. I mean, he he brought in Claw. He brought in um, the bull like The spot. The spot. Like, it has all these moments where you're like – Oh yeah, this guy is a worthy adversary, villain. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the art, Paulo Rivera, his covers were just amazing. The one with mm-hmm. the mole man, where he's like being like buried, and but it's done in his like glasses. No, his oh. uh, uh, Daredevil sense. So it's got the the lines mm-hmm. through it, everything about it. And not to say anything, like Chris Omni was on the book longer than paulo rivera uh-huh. but paulo rivera like he set the standard
1: of what the book should look and feel mm-hmm. like uh luckily they got chris omni who's in the very similar style already <laughs> oh, yeah. it's not like it's not like Paul, chris omni come on, came onto the book in a paulo rivera style they were in a similar style vein that vein that i really love that you know harkens back to Dar when i to say like darwin cook influenced like what my taste in comic book art is, it's, you, there's an easy through line through Paula Rivera, Chris Omni, and Darwin Cook, you know, uh, but yeah, my favorite art, uh, cover for Daredevil is definitely the one where it's New York City skyline, but all done with guns. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm not a big gun fan or anything, but it was still really cool. <laughs> like, because it, it it's a double take. You're like, somebody mentions it to you and you're like, Oh, those buildings aren't buildings. You're right; they are guns. It's like there's an arrow inside of the FedEx logo, and you're like, yeah. "There is." And then once you see it, you never unsee it. One of those kind of moments. So
0: it's like the Amazon logo with the with the smart going from A to Z. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to remember what episode we actually talked to Paulo Rivera on. I want to say it was 121, but I'm.
1: Well, you can pull that out of your butt. This, this, and you're would, awesome. this would like
0: mean i need to actually go in and like look at all the show notes which i wasn't prepared for well um that might have even been before we were doing the show notes over for com. so it could be all for naught but
1: was that in boston uh i'm don't remember when but i'll look through i think it might have been boston (laughs) i'll look through our 120 so well we talk start talking about the next one i'll look that up well thank you paul um i
0: just on the on the front of Daredevil before we wrap up, I, I love this book. And to kind of go back to what I was saying before, I've always been a Daredevil fan. But it was kind of that in and out. Like, I, I read some of the Brian Michael Bendis stuff. I read some of the Ed Brubaker stuff. But it was never enough to, like, really keep me there. Um, in my long boxes, I had, like, those random issues of Daredevil here and there. Because that's one of those Marvel characters that I always loved. And I would constantly go back to but it wasn't until the Mark Wade, uh, Paula Rivera that I was there. I was invested. That was one of the books that I was constantly looking forward to, and I think that speaks not just to the character, but Paula Rivera as an artist, and then Mark Wade as a writer. Mark Wade made us care about Archie, something that
1: <laughs> was
0: so easily like written off. Mm-hmm. But there it is. Like he can give a book heart, and. I think Daredevil works best with that heart, because you know, we have a new Daredevil series coming out right now, and it's, it doesn't speak to me anymore. Damn, guys. I, I, I don't consider myself that Daredevil fan that I was when this book like
1: launched. <laughs> I just have to say, damn, episode 120 was an amazing episode. We, we talked to uh, Paulo Rivera at uh, the 25 minute and 55 second mark. We also talked to Marcus Toe, Scotty Young, Scotty Young, Becky <laughs> Clunan. Uh, we don't have Becky Clunan on the show. Uh, we have David Peterson though from uh, My Scared. I, I love
0: that. I love uh, that, book, and I love
1: just talking to him. Uh, she- Shelly Gator and Brian uh, Brandon Lamb. Oh, uh, and so that's just a great episode. One twenty, guys. Episode what one twenty? What a great episode! Well, Chris was really close with it. yeah with one twenty one. <laughs> I, I knew it was
0: somewhere around there because
1: this is this is just a like behind the scenes podcasting
0: thing when we do those con- uh convention episodes i always remember to try to be a little bit cleaner with the language mm. because like who knows who's going to start listening at that episode especially when we're doing like the adventure time book right so on uh, like the issue after or episode after that I always try to be like a little bit more reserved with what i'm saying just to not alienate people right off the bat.
2: Well, that too.
1: Chris, we, were, we started. We started censoring ourselves. Chris, let's be honest. You were saying 121 because it was the summer movie Black Buck was a Bracket Buster, <laughs> Burst with Vengeance <laughs> episode, <laughs> and you're just so excited about that. Always, always, always excited for the
0: Bracket Busters.
1: Uh, I loved that it was called Burst with Vengeance. <laughs>
0: I cannot tell you the names of any of the Bracklebusters we've done.
1: They're all just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, uh, episode, last year's it was a new bracket, because it was like a new hope. There was, And there was one like, the bracketing. Ah, <laughs> uh, burst with vengeance. Alright, what's our number one? What's the best Marvel story arc uh, of all? One. Also, also brought
0: to us by super friend of the show, Steve. Hmm. This is Hawkeye numbers one through six. My life is a weapon.
1: This is, it gives, introduces us to one of the best Marvel characters of all time, Pizza, Pizza Dog. dog. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad John was there on board with me on that one. The Bro Mafia, <laughs> uh, the the tenem, the people that live in the tenement building that he's living in. It's just the everyday life Kate of Bishop
0: being like. I'm Hawkeye too, but the better one. (laughs) So much about this book just works.
1: And during the book, she kind of is. She She really is kind of the better Hawkeye. He's really
2: crappy at (laughs) points. He he is, but he's also, in some ways, he's always still like mentoring her. Mm -hmm. Like she's like, hey, you always gotta remember to check your corner, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and then takes a bullet for her because she didn't, you know, like he is that kind of, mentor but he was a fuck up and that's one of the things about the avenger movie Mm -hmm. hawkeye that i'm like not my hawkeye well yeah he's a different hawkeye
0: And, and hashtag not all hawkeyes
2: exactly but this book is one that every year since i started reading it i go back and i reread i read that first volume Mm -hmm. uh i might skip and do more of the my favorite storylines at this point because i've been doing it for the last four years but it is one of my all-time favorite series because there is heart the book looks great the second volume like i almost cried when his neighbor is killed like i was like
1: no no you, you
2: they can't do that in this book. And I like, sizzle, I mm-hmm. put the book down. I got had to get up. I went I walked out onto the porch, and I was just like, I don't know. I think my birthday's ruined. <laughs> and then I go back and I finish reading. But it was just like it was almost out of left field. You had these moments where he's the one of the episodes is Hawkeye putting sand in his neighbor's dad's house because of flooding, like. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's silly, like it's like, wow, that book had so much heart that mm-hmm. when that character is killed, I'm so upset
1: and uh I mean the book doesn't happen in the first six issues, though it doesn't <laughs> but like but, Daredevil, yeah, yeah, it's so uh, it's a complete run. It's the complete it, run yeah but, did it wrap up? or Are we still waiting for the last issue to come <laughs> no, out even though last issue finally came out
2: okay it came out. but
0: I, I think this is one of those books where it's the whole run that really speaks to us. But it was really 1 through 6 that put this book on the map for us. Mm-hmm. Really just sold it for what it was. Because some of my favorite Hawkeye stuff actually happens after like this trade is done. But I, I still have to give it up for
1: my life as a weapon.
0: Uh, th- I don't think we've said it yet. Uh, written by Matt Fraction, art by David Aja.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, we did not say it yet.
2: But uh, and even okay. in that first volume, it, there is, when he goes to like Mandapore, there is another artist on that. I can't think of his name though. Mm. I can look it up.
1: You can look it up. But yeah, this is, it's uh, almost monochrome, the complete book. It's like black, white with purple. And I think that gives it a little bit of a, a unique feel. Uh, it's not quite the same. It's like Chris Omni. If Chris Omni only did the, you know, panels where it's basically, sh- almost all shadows on this book. Uh, I really enjoy it. It does have that certain pop to it. Uh, it's definitely graphic design influenced and it's fun. It's just go ahead. Chris. Like graphic
0: design. Look at the issue. Um, focusing on pizza dog. Yeah. Yeah. We're pizza dog is investigating the murders. It's pizza is my business. I don't remember the issue numbers. You could probably look it up. But it's literally the dog that Hawkeye adopts investigating a murder that takes place in the tenement building. Mm-hmm. And it, it might sound like a book that you want to sit down and read, but... There's no reading involved. <laughs> from like the dog's point of view. And everything's done with like pictographs. There's no dialogue at all, because... The dog only understands like certain words like pizza
1: dog good. Uh, yeah, I totally uh, read it like uh Charlie Brown parent voice. Pizza dog. Javier <laughs>
2: uh Polito huh? yes. is the other artist for this book. It's
0: this this issue the issue where Hawkeyes like deaf and like a lot of the stories told with sign language this is a book that uses the comics medium to a degree that I don't think anything else on our list really has done. No, because it it doesn't just use the visuals; it pushes them forward. And as much as something like Daredevil does, even sitting in the number two spot, where um, Rivera does so much awesome like visual storytelling, Haja uh, Javier Polito. Francisco Franco Villa. I'm trying to think of the other artists that were on or Hawkeye at the time Annie Wu they all have a different take on visual storytelling but they all like try to just like push it forward in this book and it all works so well yeah and it created a book that made me excited for each issue that came after I, I haven't had this kind of feeling for a book coming out in a while. Like, yeah, I'm always going to look forward to stuff like Rebirth number one because, hey, they're completely rebooting the DC universe again. Like, that's something to look forward to. But the fact that Hawkeye number whatever could elicit that response for me just speaks. And I think that's why this is number one.
2: Yeah. Uh, Chris Iliopoulos... Jesse Ham and Steve Lieber are the other people who worked on this, as well as Frank Avella. Uh, and uh, Chris Eliopoulos did the like the Christmas the holiday
0: special Christmas yeah. one, yeah. Uh, Which is such a weird book. Like, if that was your like first issue of Hawkeye you ever pick up, you'd be <laughs> like, um, what? Uh, but when you read everything else, like, it fits.
2: It's uh, there's there's four collected editions of this book. Um, it ran from 2012 to 2015. And it just, I, I think it, it, it does comic books in the best way that it, it, it uses the medium in every way, in every art trick you could do, shadowing, doing a, like that bizarre Christmas special, doing the issue where it just follows the dog. Doing the issue where they're doing sign language, the way they do the covers. Everything is just so different and stylized. And it's probably one of my all-time favorite comic books of all time. There's things that I enjoy. There's things that I go back to. But Hawkeye, like I said, every year I go back and reread it. I might not reread the whole the start to finish the whole series, but I reread a bulk of it. I I love the fact that
0: Clint drinks coffee like I do when I'm home, (laughs) like alone on my days off. Where it's just like, make as much as you can, drink the pot. (laughs) But this this book is perfect, and I, I feel so stupid for passing it up when it came out. Because I I have always liked Hawkeye as a character. I might not have been there like buying every single appearance of Hawkeye. And this goes back to what you were saying before, Paul, when you were like, really? Like, Hawkeye was one of those characters. Yeah. He was. Like, you have an affinity towards him. But this was the book that kind of like solidified like why, even though you hadn't seen it before.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hawkeye's like one of those characters who's been around, but he was never like, I'd rather read Green Arrow than Hawkeye until this book. Yeah. And then, for, you know, it switched over and maybe with Green Arrow Rebirth I'll be back on a Archer book because it's been a while now. It's been a few, uh, been a year about, so. Hopefully. Hopefully we'll get some good story arcs because, you know, this list is ever-changing. Ever-growing. Who knows when the next time a great uh, Marvel storyline might come out. Who knows? It might even be Nick Spencer's Captain America. It might be Civil War 2. Where's my <laughs> Brian Michael? No. <laughs> it's going to be a train wreck of a just a cash-in. Just cash-grab. It's a cash-grab. It, 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 oh. it is, but it could... It, it could be awful. It, it could have its moments, you know. Uh-huh.
0: Um, uh huh. mentions. We we talked about this oh, last yeah. week. I don't know if we like solidified
1: like what we're picking. Yeah, uh Mark Wade's and uh run on Fantastic Four. Uh one, two, three, four, Marvel Knights, Fantastic Four. And then uh Marvel Knight Four are you With.
0: seriously
1: just picking Fantastic Four As <laughs> my honorable mentions? Yes.
0: is <laughs> your chance to be like, no, here's the book that didn't make our list, but I think you should check out anyways. Those are all great runs. You're picking those over something like Madrox.
1: Well, Madrox is very <laughs> nope, good. Nope, you can't take that oh. one. You already put all your Fantastic Four on the table. <laughs> so, Paul, Paul. Wait, I'm um, limited to how many honorable mentions <laughs> I get? You,
0: you get one honorable mention. So think about which fantastic one. <laughs> because, <laughs> um, John, do you have one? Yeah. Okay, I will throw it over to
2: John. Then. Uh, mine is going to be um, J.M. DeMatteis's in Mike Zek's 1987 Spider-Man run with Craven's Last Hunt. Uh, I remember getting those issues as a little kid and just like being so blown away by it and then years later as an adult like going back and actually reading them as an adult and still being blown away by the book um craven quote unquote kills super or kills spider-man but really buries him alive then takes up the mantle of spider-man and brutally starts taking down criminals Only for Spider-Man to come back and Craven in the last, like, panel shooting his brains out. Like, it's something that just never, like, it never sat right with me as a little kid being like, well, I don't know what, what, this is so dark, this is so weird, but when you go back, it's a really amazing story and just how they really capture Craven being crazy. There's that, Few of those really amazing uh, covers, especially with like Spider Man crawling out of his, you know, grave. It was a really phenomenal, insane run. That um, it was something that I put on our list, but I knew would never make it to the list. But it's one of those ones that I think is definitely up there as one of the greatest stories about Spider Man. More of his. Villain, but definitely a great Spider-Man story.
0: I think that deserves mentioning because
2: the Spider-Man book that we had on the
0: actual top ten list was the ultimate book. And um, I think as a whole, we're not a fan of that old-school style of storytelling. Nothing against what it's done or brought to the table for comic books, but I think that just doesn't speak to us as readers. Uh, but I'm glad this one
2: had some showing yeah is is craven still around they did try to bring craven back at one point with like craven's like one last hunt and it was like during like the spider island stuff so there was all of those spider-men going around trying to do it but then it turned out it wasn't Mm craven it was like the chameleon again i don't know (laughs) i I couldn't finish it i really wanted to because of my love for the craven because of this storyline um go back to old issues when i would pick that spider-man book for the list and talked about how much i love craven (laughs) uh but yeah no he's still not back character they've never brought back
0: I know there was like talk about them bringing him in, even just to the movies, like, like having uh, him in like amazing Spider-Man. I think it was like two. It's gonna be like like Craven.
2: They were talking two or three, and then they went with the whole Sinister Six stuff, and totally lost it.
0: I know, like. I I love Craven as a character and so much of that is bolstered by the nice cartoon I think just like that big brawny dude
2: <laughs> the like the cartoons like laptop right the cartoons i always made me mad because of my love for this craven the like craven's last hunt like storyline that i was like this guy's a buffoon he would this is not how he's written like little kid nerd box <laughs> <laughs> So Paul? I actually hated Craven on the cartoon.
0: Uh, I, I liked him on the cartoon. I
2: was, I was like the whole like reality showness
1: of it. Um, Paul, you know I love Grant Morrison.
0: Nope. I, I want you to take a look again <laughs> and think about it, because uh, I want to talk about Young Avengers. Okay. And I've championed this book recently with the, uh, Jamie McKelvey, Kieran Gill and stuff. But I'm actually going to go back to the first. Young Adventures, written by Alan Heinberg, with Oh, I'm going to wake up now. Wait, wake up, wake up. Um, with art by Jim Chung, because this was a book that was announced and solicited right after Jeff Johnson and Mike McCone started their Teen Titans run. So, like the comics community as a whole was like, "Oh no, this is Marvel trying to cash in. Mm-hmm.
1: This is their also and book."
0: Yep, this is their identity disc to identity crisis. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is them saying, like, no, we have young versions of characters too. Like, here's all these people you don't care about, and it's being written by the creator of the OC. Like, it, it's it seemed like such a cash grab mm-hmm. that it it shouldn't have been something that existed, or, right. let alone mattered or worked. But <laughs> I, I picked exactly, but I picked up number one. And, it, it really floored me. Everything about these characters, it just worked. And the fact that it was such a misdirect, where you have a character like Hulkling, who's, quote-unquote, young Thor, be a scroll. And then you have Wiccan, the young version of Thor, be one of the lost twins from the Scarlet Witch. Eli, the great-grand, or no, the grandchild of one of the original Captain America, uh, Captain America's from the Truth, Storylines. Iron Lad being Kang the Conqueror from In the Future. It took what it looked like on the scene and just like flipped it so much that I was instantly brought into it.
1: Uh, and you're forgetting to mention that it also introduced us to Kate Bishop.
0: Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, did, I didn't forget
1: <laughs> because she was such like an entitled like
0: little crotch that she, like she stood against everything else in the team. Mm -hmm. but it worked so well and I I just loved her as a character Cassie Lang hey you know what at that time I wasn't an Ant-Man fan but I liked Cassie Lang and here I am now loving Nick Spencer on the Ant-Man book hashtag Nick Spencer is Hydra (laughs) I don't don't even care Mm -hmm. everything about this book worked so well and it was something so different from what it seemed like it could have been this book could have ended after number six if it wasn't what it turned out to be. But I'm so glad it became what it was because I got Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey telling that just crazy experimental music-based romp around the galaxy. I, I got so much great stuff from this book. I got the crossovers with Runaways during those big, like, Secret Invasion Civil oh. stuff, which, Paul, you, you didn't care for, but... Oh. Uh, <laughs> this, was, this was the way that I got to see those characters
1: They weren't those characters universe.
0: Because they never really made that impact <laughs> Like this wasn't like that Spider-Man character That was going to appear just in a book Nobody's going to think like Hey, we we need a character to be in the background Eh, put Speed from Young Avengers in there mm-hmm. I, I needed this And I got it All right
1: that first trade is good. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of what uh, everything that came after. I know you had us read the Jamie McAlvey run, too. and It was a lot better than what we were getting from Young Justice, but still, hashtag not my Young Justice. <laughs> Young Avengers? Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. We'll see. That's Young exactly Justice
0: it. Young was basically what Young Avengers looked like it was going to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I- I'm going to fight you on that because... I know you like it more. The issue... I can't remember which one it was now of Young Avengers, where uh, Marvel Boy is taking out, like, the... I can't remember the attackers of, like, their giant bugs or, like, their Kree or something, but it's done, like, an Ikea, like, instruction manual, like, you look and you see number one, and the first thing he does Mm -hmm. is, like, jump off the wall. Number two is where he, like, shoots someone in the face that's that kind of David Aja like storytelling that I really like where they can use that graphic novel medium just to its full extent without Mm -hmm. being like, Oh, someone is saying something they're So they're going to be doing it on the panel.
1: Right. Right. Paul, mine is a yes. Paul. Yes. I really thought about this. I have this talk with you one more time. I, I really thought about it, Chris. Okay. Okay. If you know, I already have the awesome art from, uh, from Jonathan Hicksman to run with uh, Steve Updink. Uh, so I have to go with another great artist on Fantastic Four, and that is uh, Jay Lee, uh, written by, who I enjoy when he's a little bit more grounded and a little bit just telling the one story, just give me four issues, don't let him go eight issues, because as soon as he goes to issue six, he's breaking forth walls and going crazy, and that's Grant Morrison. And it's Grant Morrison and Jay Lee on Marvel Knights Fantastic Four 1, two, three, four. And this is the story arc where it's basically every issue focuses on one of the members of the Fantastic Four seemingly getting destroyed by one of the villains of the Fantastic Four. You know, a divide-and-conquer strategy. By the end of the series, you, you learn that it's Doc Doom puppeteering all these villains together to take down the fantastic four but don't worry all along throughout you see mr fantastic just staying one step ahead and maneuvering and maneuvering and it's that great payoff at the end of uh the family actually even when it seems like they were divided and and being taken out one by one they're all there to support each other they're all there working through the crisis and coming out on top and so so it's not Mad Rocks? It's not Madrox, no. I really did think about it, even though it, that was really good. <laughs> if I have to give it to another... You know, Marvel... For me, Marvel is the Fantastic Four. They're the first family. They're, they're the characters I always think about first when it comes to Marvel. It's not the Avengers. It's not X-Men. I think of the Fantastic Four. The, the family that's there challenging the unknown. Because... Mm. You listen, you, you know that the Fantastic Four was kind of created as a a counterpart to the Challengers of the Unknown from DC, but with superpowers. So, and I don't I, really, know I really like Jay Lee's art. Yeah, or it's, Jolly. Yeah. It's, we, it's sketchy, but still has. It's not overly where you lose yourself in the images. It's it has a realism, but still feels comic book. Mm-hmm. It's just that. Real simple line, a lot of dark colors, but oh man, Jay Lee's so good. Remember when we were getting him on that Batman and Superman? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that listed, Not even that better. Book. I mean, the, that book looked even better than that one, and that mm-hmm. one looked look sharp. Uh, yeah. So if I have to, if you're not going to read the Jonathan Hickman complete run, which listeners, you should. Because you don't want it to be a huge investment. Go pick up uh, Fantastic Four. All right, Four. we get
2: it, Fantastic Four. Pick this up. <laughs> Listen, Ten uh, bucks. let us know what your top five Marvel books would be. Oh, Fantastic Four. Uh If there's something that we haven't read there, maybe we'll pick it up and do it in a trade and policy and then tell you you're right. Much like number uh one, one. and three on our list uh-huh. were handed off to us by a listener. Uh, and we thank him for it. Uh, we shared quite a bit of beer with that gentleman, as well as him sharing beer with us. Super fan of the show. Super fan of the show. Super friend. Super friend. Super friend. Uh, and um, f- please find us over on our Facebook, like us, share us, let your friends know that we do this show, mm-hmm. uh, because I've maxed out the friends that I know that I've made <laughs> like the Facebook. Yeah. And uh, uh I don't want to
1: make new friends.
2: Ah, This age, I hate making new friends So tough And I just don't care
1: as much Like I'm on Tinder just to get (laughs) less (laughs) likes Just to to get liked And just to point them to the show It's, you know, not to meet up with anybody It's just, oh yeah No, if you want to meet It never never gets asked like
2: Oh hey, where are you?
1: Reading Fantastic Four Pretty much And then they're like they're a, NM. And
2: they're like, which Fantastic Four? And then Paul gets all of them. They're like, nope. <laughs>
1: He's like, oh, that is a lot. He's just listing things. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. reading them all at once. I got the trade paperback on in, in right. my left hand. I got the issue in my uh, issue in my right. And then up on my screen, I have another two
0: no, it, issues, it usually you know? starts with Paul's like, do you like X-Factor? <laughs> <laughs>
1: looking for them swipes mm. to get more ratings and reviews. It hasn't cashed in for us yet, but one day. One day it will.
0: <laughs> Keep holding on to that hope. <laughs> and hey, thank you for listening. Everyone else, uh, make sure you rate and review us. Email us over at bangboardcastcom Comment over on the Facebook on the post for this episode. Check us out over on uh, bangboard.com, because why not? Show notes. You can see all the panels that John reads. With three voices.
1: <laughs> uh, Transported. Also,
0: also, going back to it, watermelon Dorado, after it warms up a little bit, it does cut that sweetness a little bit. Like I, it's still candy-y, but it's not as...
2: It's not as
1: big. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to pick that up.
2: No, you shouldn't. <laughs> I, 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 I,
0: I check, it, check it out, Paul. Like, pick up one bottle if you can find it, and just <laughs> don't chill it. All
1: right. No, I'm, I'm going to th- stick to it Hi- Like high watermelon or uh, heavy melon. You should. That's okay. That's still allowed. All right.